singer to singer. Sophie Bancroft in conversation with jazz vocalist Fiona Duncan. Episode 1, The Early Years. I was doing all right. Never saw rainbows in my sky. I was doing all right until you came by. Had no cause to complain. Life was a piece of apple pie. Never noticed the rain until... When I was in the Brownies, uh, we had... Uh, there was a, a guy who... I can't remember his name, but he was a producer of shows, children's shows. And he came, our captain at the Brownies got him to come and produce a, a Mr. Mitchell, I remember. His name was Mitchell. Don't know what his first name was. And uh, he auditioned all the Brownies and guides. And I remember from my audition, I saw my sister had taken me to see a movie, you know, and we didn't get to see movies very often. She took us to see a movie, and I know there was a couple singing on the movie, a girl singer, and I, all I could see was the way she was moving when she was singing. That was what I was focused on, and on her knees when she was singing. And when they said, what did I want to sing? And I said, I'd do uh, Look for the Silver Lining. I was seven. But what happened was, when I stood up to do it, um, all I could think of was the way her knees moved. And I thought she did, it was like a knock-kneed thing. And all the way through, I was knocking my knees together. And of course, I'd done a wee short skirt, and everybody started laughing. <laughs> and I was <laughs> affronted. And I can remember him saying to me, yes, well, uh, yes, just go and sit down. That'll be. And mm -hmm. I thought, you know, <laughs> so I, I didn't get in the move, the thing. I failed the audition, <laughs> and it was all because of my knees. Yeah. So the next thing was we were doing uh, my next door neighbour Dorothy Nairn from Nairn's Oak Cakes. Actually, Dorothy and I were best buddies right through growing up, and she had a sort of she was getting opera training, you know, classical singing. And, of course, I wasn't. I was just strumming away in my, my wee ukulele. And we decided to do some duets. So we did uh, Ebanks and Braze of Bonnie Dune. And we were doing a, a concert. We must have been nine. And I sang the harmony, which I've never forgotten. Mm. It, was a, it was a descant as opposed to a harmony. And uh, we did that. But Dorothy was also very, very much more gung-ho than me. I mean, she really didn't care what anybody thought. And I did care, you know. Um, I don't know why. And she was really gung-ho, and it was it was so funny. I mean, everybody ended up again laughing. And I thought, this is not what supposed to They're supposed to clap, not laugh. So that was my first brush, actually, doing something. Um, was, was that in Glasgow? It was in... It was, uh, in First of all, the first thing was in Helensborough and the second thing was in Glasgow. And that was when I was, uh, we'd gone up there when I was about nine. 
uh, and we were living in Glasgow then, and uh, it was the it was the Bankhead something or other players group or something. Then I used to go with the Bankhead players, which was a this was when I was about twelve or thirteen. Uh, they were all in my mother's sewing bee, all these ladies that put on these plays and uh, their husbands. And I used to go along with them. They used to go to old, old folks' homes and things. This was just after the war. And uh, I used to open up the show with singing and playing uh, something on guitar. And then, you know, I'd introduce the first play and then I'd just stay with them the whole time. But that's, I sort of started, and I thought, well, this is really great. It's a sort of different life mm. from, you know, what my mother was doing. Yeah. My mother never took part in it or anything like that. How old would you, would you be I'd be about now. 12. Since you went away, I can't sleep nights. I worry all day. I just sit and wonder if love isn't one big blunder. My parents were great dancers, you know, ballroom dancers. And they uh, they had been lived out in Hong Kong for years where they used to go to dances every night, you know. And, and we used to go to this social club where I learned to dance very, very young, quick steps and foxtrots. And, and I was a good dancer. Um, but Cole was quite shy, you know, uh, and I can remember the, the sessions that we had was always my dad on piano or accordion, Ian on piano, uh, if he wasn't on guitar, my sister on guitar, and me on ukulele. And they all used to keep, tell, keep telling me to shut up, you know, shut up, Fiona. <laughs> and I felt like that was my name for years, <laughs> shut up, Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing I could do was sing louder than any of them. <laughs> and that's, I think, probably why I ended up singing, because I couldn't get into anything else. <laughs> I was so uh, far behind Ian and Peggy, in, and I never caught up with them. They both actually could play very, very well. And I was just sort of, oh, I can't get, I can't get in here at all. And that is really... I think why I started singing, because I was too lazy to to play the guitar. <laughs> Did your mum play anything? No, my mother played uh, Bells Across the Meadow on the piano and Cavalier Aristocana, I think it was. And one other thing, uh, she played three things on the piano. She'd learned when she was very, very young and... You know, she'd sit there, it was very classical. And, and that was her three party pieces. She never played any more or any less. Yeah. And uh, she just made the tea and sandwiches for everybody. She was the tea and sandwich lady. So when you were having these, so these were sessions at home then? Yeah, in the house. And would they be m more on the folk side music? Yeah, music? well, my dad, you know, he'd been... In fact, it was quite interesting because I think this is one of the first things that made me want to do something on stage. I have these photographs back from 19... wherever they are. Here they are. 1944. 
And my dad was actually entertaining the troops oh, wow. at Southampton when he was waiting to, for his ship. He was, uh, was, was on, that your dad there? That's my dad there. Oh, wow. He's doing, does, did cartoons. Right in the 1944. And this is all the... Oh, gosh. This was all the troops waiting <gasps> to go away to... I think it was in Normandy. Wow, amazing photographs. And he's, his ship was the first minesweeper that Britain had during the war, the HMS King Salver, and he stood by it from when it hadn't even had its keel laid in the dry dock in Glasgow uh, until it was completed, which was two years. And I think they were the first ship into Pearl Harbor, actually, because it was a a mine sweeper. He was a deep sea diver. So, and that photo, I used to see that photograph and think, look at all these people. What I'm watching, you know. Mm. Oh, and Dad played in a band in Hong Kong, and his brothers both played. Uh, the whole family did, you know. Uh, and our whole family did, except my mother, you know. And I really, you know, I, I think I took the easy way out singing because mm. it was inbuilt, you know. I mean, I went to piano lessons for years with uh, two singing, two piano teachers, a Mr. and Mrs. Shaw. He had a, a dance band in Glasgow, and she went to a lot of weddings. And I had two lessons a week, Tuesday and Thursday. He was in the Tuesday, and he was great. And she was in the Thursday, and she used to spend her whole music lesson telling me what wedding she was going to and what she was wearing and she would go and get the hat and the and bring it out and and I'd sit and say, oh, that's very nice. And, and two minutes before the end of the lesson, she'd say, right, we better get on with this. <laughs> and we'd do, and I'd just run through what he'd given me. And then, of course, when I went back next week, I was getting into trouble because I hadn't got any further on. Mm-hmm. But it was because his wife came, and I couldn't say to him, your wife talks the way through the lesson. <laughs> I joined the folk club when Norman Buchan was my head teacher, or he was the geography teacher, and he became a Labour MP for Mary Hill, I think it was. Norman uh, had this folk club with Maurice Blythman, who was quite a big, and both of them were big instigators in the folk scene in Glasgow. I mean, they're the ones that brought Dominique Behan, Brendan Behan, uh, all the Americans over, uh, the folky Americans, they set up the folk scene in Glasgow, these two guys. Mm. And uh, he was, Norman was my geography teacher. And we used to go on a I think it was a Thursday night to Morris Blackman's house in Glasgow where I first met Robin. No, it was Jimmy McGregor and uh, Mona Flanagan, Rena Swanky, and Ina Kemp, Josh McRae, all the folk singers of the late 50s, mid 50s, and they were all in this folk group, and we were the young ones coming in to start the next mm. lot. And they had wanted me to sing 
the Blantyre explosion, you know, which was about the mine. And of course, I had not, I, I had no connection. Mm. And I, it was a beautiful song, but I, I just, I, you know, I kept thinking, no, I kept wanting to do something like uh, Burl Ives or Harry Belafonte. I wanted to do, you know, gonna jump down, spin around, pick a veil of garden, gonna jump down, spin around, pick a veil of day. That, you know, oh, Laurie. And I kept thinking, no, that's got some life about it. Whereas the other things were, you know, very, you know, she walks through the fair, she moves through the yeah. fair, and very deep, you know, ballads. Yeah. Yeah. And I I couldn't touch a ballad, right. you know. I wanted all the wee, wow. you know. And so ended up singing things like The Barnyards of Delgate, and I was lodging with Big Aggie, you know. The, uh, that was a great song, <laughs> you know. And... I then was aware of wanting to involve the audience in it, and if I couldn't see them, I didn't feel as if they were getting involved, you know. Mm. I think this is one of the reasons why I hated a big a big stage, you know. Right, yeah. It was because, I, you know, you could really see the first two rows, and I couldn't connect with anybody yeah. past the first two rows, yeah. you know. yeah. And I was always much better in a, a small, yeah. intimate atmosphere. You so know. how old were you when you were doing the, uh, this bit? 14. Right. 14 then. Uh, Jimmy went to London, Jimmy McGregor. He went to London and he was one of the mainstays in the folk group. And I can remember everybody saying to him, oh, dear, you know, you'll get swallowed up and... Uh, the next thing he got the thing on the Tonight Show mm. every night mm. for I think two years or something like that. Then, then I got uh, I got got auditioned for the BBC with a folk group, and it was a it was a skiffle group. What, what, you, what sort of years were this? This is nineteen fifty-four. Okay, so in your in your kind of personal radar as far as music, were you listening to jazz at this I, point? I, I mean, I listened to my brother, who was three years older. Right, was uh, very heavily into jazz piano, and with him, I went through uh, Fart Swaller, Art Tatum. Uh, Errol Gardner, uh, Dave Brubeck, Thelonious Monk, uh, all the piano players. And as he went through, you know, going off one and on another a wee bit, and I was hearing it all the time, so I was going through that as well. <sighs> but I was listening to, first of all, it was Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah. Ella was always my preference because of the, her melodies, you know. And Sarah was second because of what she could do that I could never have thought of doing, you know. I mean, it was she was taking it way beyond mm. that. Then I found uh, Nellie Lutcher, who just was totally different and blew me away. She swung, piano playing singer from um, 
the 30s, you know, and I got a, bought a 78 record that had a crack in it, and it was fine brown frame, and it used to go... <laughs> but it was in time to, to the music, you know. Fine brown frame. And I thought, what is she doing? I love that. It was lovely. Before that, I'd, I'd been on Skiffle Club with the Joe Gordon Folk Four. I was the guest every Saturday. And it went networked on, on BBC. And it was nine o'clock in the morning live. And it was, you know, okay, tense up. You know, <laughs> to be in there at quarter to eight in the morning for the sound check. And, and then, you know, it's watch the green light. When it changes to green, you're on. And it was networked. So you couldn't mm. take it back. You know? yeah. <laughs> it was no free recording. And it really kept you on your toes, you know. And I was always terrified. Every Saturday morning, I was up at five o'clock and pouring cups of tea down my throat to make my throat think it was ten o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know. And uh, and you always get paranoid about your throat when you're young, you know, even when you're old. But um, no, it was uh, that was a very good experience. Uh, I did that for about, I think, about a year and a half. And Skiffle Club turned into Saturday Club and then into Guitar Club. So I did all of these. But in the meantime, I joined this Dixieland band uh, who laid on all the Bessie Smith stuff for me and said I couldn't possibly be a jazz singer, unless I drank. Because Bessie Smith died from drink, they told me. And it wasn't until years later that it was really, it was not nothing to do with drink that she died. She couldn't get into the hospital. That was what it was, Mm. you know. It was because it was a white hospital. Mm. And uh, so I learned all the Weeping Willow Blues and, uh, oh, God... Nobody knows you when you're down and out, and all the really, really heavy duty. And I actually, I love doing them, but it was different with the the Dixieland band. You know, it was different from doing a a, a folk ballad. I think probably because there was a lot more happening on the stage beside you. You know. Mm. How were you getting these opportunities? I never never phoned. It was luck all the way along the line, being in the right place Mm. at the right time. I mean, I can remember one, it just sticks out exactly what you're saying, a mile. I was in London and uh, the bar, we'd split up. It was for his band, the band had split up. And I'd stayed on in London and had a few gigs to do. And then the gigs ran out and I was staying in Highgate and it was Jimmy McGregor had a house where 
he rented flats in rooms. And I stayed in Jimmy's house from the first time I went down to London, actually, you know, because I'd phoned and said, have you got any spare rooms? But it was a kind of safe haven. It was a, a wee bit of Scotland. We had mm. the guy who is, was the lead violinist with the Covent Garden Orchestra, Alan Sloan. He came down from air for his first gig at, at uh, Covent Garden, along with Robert Wilson's son, Carrie Wilson, came down from air, and Carrie joined the Black and White Minstrels. So there was all this Scottish contingent mm. in the house, but we were all musicians of different, you know, mm. ilks. And uh, I didn't have any work, and I'm thinking, my rent was £4.75 a week, £4.15 shillings, to be precise. And I thought, right, I've got to find something. So I went down this town job seeking and I didn't know what I could do. I'd never done anything. And uh, I'm walking along Oxford Street and came to the Woolworths between Oxford Street and Bond Street. And I thought, I had all these wee friends that worked in Woolworths on a Saturday when I was at school, and I'm thinking, anybody can work in Woolworths, I'll go in here, apply within. So I walked in and I said, I'm looking for a job. And they said, right, when can you start, right? We're starting Monday morning, and uh, it was 8 o'clock at the bin. And I'm thinking, right, I've got to get from Highgate to Oxford Street by 8 o'clock in the morning. And I had no money, you know. And I thought, right, so I sat and I walked. And it was, it was six miles or something. But it was all downhill, you know. And, and I used to be able to get the, somebody lent me money to get the tube during the week, but I ran out of money by the Friday, so I had to walk back because we got paid on a Saturday. I walked back on a Friday night, and I can remember walking up Edgeware Road thinking, somebody must have dropped a sixpence somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and looking at all the, you know, and I was thinking, the gutters of New York, I remember my mother saying there's a song about looking for, hey, buddy, can you spare a dime? <laughs> and then I used to get home, and my feet were the size of, but we know boats. And I just used to come straight into my room. I was on the first floor, the first door, and I'd go in and I'd just get my clothes off, get my dressing gown on, get into my bed and leave my door open. And everybody that passed would say, you all right, Fiona? And I'd say, yeah, we're just going up to the trip shop. Do you want anything? Ah, uh, I've got no money. <laughs> all right, I'll get you a bag of chips. Aww. So I got fed. They all kept coming in and giving me things. Mm. And then I, I did that for about... What did you do in Woolworths? What was your job? I, oh, I was on the delicatessen counter, would you believe, which was the busiest counter in the world. Mm. Uh, you know, mortadella, mozzarella, salami, English, uh, Danish salami, Italian salami, all the different salamis, and all, you know, bratwurst here, and, you know, and you had a, a yellow uniform, and this wee yellow hat that you had to put on, and because my hair was so curly, it wouldn't <laughs> stay on, and I can remember the hat would be down here, and I'm standing, and I'd say, next please, and I never looked up, 
and they come and see two ounces of salami, Italian salami, an ounce of uh, garlic sausage, and I'm right. And I heard this voice saying, and uh, two pounds of sticky bacon. And I went, you know, and it was, it was the producer from... Uh, the head of light entertainment at BBC, who's, the studios were just behind the back doors of Woolworths, and he came in and he, he said, Fiona, what on earth are you doing here? And I said, what do you think it looks like? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, I, and, I, and he said, look, this is ridiculous. What you, I said, because I've got no work and I've got no money. He said, right, come round to the Poach and Horses when you finish tonight. I said, John, I've got my slippers on because I can't walk up that road in shoes. I've got my slippers on. I said, and, and I can't come round there because I've got no... He said, just you come round. So, you know, when I finished work, I'm thinking, oh, no. So I went round and he had all the producers drawn. Belshi, the guy from Jazz Club, the guy from all the shows, and they were all there. And he was saying, this girl is working in Woolworths because she's got no right from now. And I got like that. They all just... Brilliant. You know, he was a huge fan, though. He was, you know, he'd heard me on a BBC Jazz Club thing and on his way home to wherever he lived, way out and somewhere or other, and he phoned in the producer and said, who is that singing? What's her name? I want to book her. Right. And he was the one that did Tom Jones and he was the one that did uh, Carol Denver. You know, you remember Wimaway? Yeah. Uh, he was the one that got Carol Denver, Clinton Ford and me. We were the ones, he just, he heard something that he liked. He said, it's a, it's a, you know, when somebody's photogenic, your voice is that, you know. Oh, that's lovely, isn't so, it? And that's, I never, and I mean, I, I never, ever lifted the phone and asked mm. for work. I, I couldn't make myself do it. It's like bartering. Mm. I can't do that either. Until you came by. Now, since you went away, can't sleep nights, I worry all day. I just sit and wonder if love isn't one big blunder. But when you hold me tight, tingling off you. Somehow I was doing all right, but I'm doing a lot better than ever now. This episode featured the song I Was Doing All Right from Fiona Duncan's CD Young and Foolish, released by 10 to 10 Records. It is available to buy from propermusic.com. You can hear more tracks by Fiona Duncan at www.soundcloud.com forward slash Fiona Duncan. Singer to Singer is a Sophie Bancroft production. Visit www.sophiebancroft.co.uk for more information. Mama.